Welcome to Conversations with Leaders. I'm Jake Burns, and today we're continuing our training and certification series with Ollie Simpson, leader of cloud transformation and learning at BP. Listen in as we discuss how BP is responding to the need for skills and talent throughout their cloud adoption. Ollie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jake. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to the session. I am as well. So can we start off? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Absolutely. Let's go way back. I grew up in Hong Kong in the in the 80s and 90s, brother and sister, and my, da- my dad a policeman and my mum a teacher. One day they decided that they would get themselves a, a personal computer to help with the uh, family admin, and uh, they really didn't know what they were getting themselves into. Uh, so it basically ended up being my pet project. And as, as a 10-year-old, um, that's basically when I started to code and get a lot of enjoyment out of that. We didn't, uh, we didn't have IT at school in those days. So it was, it was a bit of fun as far as I was, I was concerned. And it kind of grew from there to, you know, ended up kind of starting my own little business, uh, registering as a sole trader in Hong Kong. As a, a kind of late in my late teens, teaching people to how to use PCs and and uh, that sort of thing, and from there it kind of grew. That so that so the computing thing grew again. I was actually ended up in competition with someone who it was doing sort of the same sort of thing, but he you know full full grown adult, and actually he ended up giving me my first uh, opportunity. Actually, so. My first real gig coding was in the manufacturing industry, basically a printed packaging manufacturer um, that made, makes labels for garments, things like in the UK, people will be familiar with Marks and Spencers, BHS and various other companies. So, so my job was to write some software to automate putting together those labels to the, the label design and the printing out of or the, basically the printing to substrate. Um, so basically pads that they used in the factory floor to then apply to the labels. And then uh, you joined BP at some point. Yeah, at some point. <laughs> I was a city boy used to the you know bright lights of Hong Kong. So, so London became quite an attraction, obviously. And so I moved to work in the city there, worked for a number of banks, uh, Barclays, ABN, AMRO, Royal Bank of Scotland, um, but eventually I found myself in BP and, and actually it wasn't directly with BP originally. I was working through a partner of theirs so at the time. It was electronic data systems run, run by the great uh, Ross Perot. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> <laughs> but let's, let's not talk about that. Um, but eventually, uh, so I contracted for a while and eventually I, you know, I've been working for, for BP in a permanent position now for about seven years. And that went from kind of building out their mega data centers in London. We've got these two huge data centers that we're in the process of getting out of actually and moving to cloud. Um, so helping to build those and then transitioning to a point where actually cloud was a thing and became a real thing for BP and helping lead the charge on the cloud, on on the move to cloud. And uh, here I am today because of that. Wow. Very similar to my journey, actually. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, um, well, we'll, I'll do the interview with you next. (laughs) I think we did that on a previous episode. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. But, you know, as you, as you did, I started programming at a young age and, uh, you know, started off in IT, kind of worked my way up, uh, and then, uh, you know, cloud and then 
found myself on this podcast. So I guess in those ways, we kind of took a similar path. Awesome. How long have you been pod- podcasting? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's been a couple months at this point. Cool. Yeah. Great. Uh, how about you? Have you been on a podcast before? I haven't been on a, well, I've been on a podcast internally before. So um, Dave, Dave Richards, who's uh, one of the folks, senior folks in, in BP, got me on his podcast when he first started it, actually. I was, I was, mm. I was uh, number one on the list, which it was really yeah. good fun. And and actually that got me really into listening to podcasts because I wasn't really into listening to podcasts before that. Oh, I see. And now it's a big thing in my life. I kind of, when I'm going for a walk or a cycle ride, yeah, get the podcast, get a podcast going. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been, I've been a fan of podcasts for quite a while, number of years. Um, and of course I've done, you know, uh, speaking events and, uh, countless, uh, kind of meetings, uh, which are kind of like a lot of these kind of conversations, but without the recording. So, yeah, uh, I felt like I was kind of prepared for it. Um, so let's switch, switch gears for a minute. And, uh, I- I'm curious to hear, uh, your, your take on what the role of people in digital transformation or cloud adoption, like what is, is people the critical component? Yeah. Oh, definitely. It's, I mean, it's a, it's predominantly a people thing. Um, you're talking about a kind of massive change in, in mindsets, sort of behavioral shifts, ways of work, completely different ways of working. So that that's all about people. And, you know, obviously cloud is there as an accelerator, but that doesn't happen. It's not an accelerator without the, the, the change in, in the people um, that work within the organization. So in terms of leadership, for example, you know, we've had we've seen a move from kind of old school leadership to 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 servant leadership. So it's more about you know see yourself as a servant first, and you know look out for um, the people within the organization. Set a set a goal, set a destination, and then help them get there. You know, help them to become more autonomous, to think more for themselves. I'm not saying people don't think for themselves, but I think sometimes organizations constrain that. And so we're kind of, you know, we're saying with this kind of transformation, well, actually, you know, pretty much you can be be yourself at work, explore, um, you know, have that kind of almost childlike um, approach to life again, and be curious and, you know, discover new things. And lead, the role of leadership there is to help you along your way, to unblock, to listen, to you know, to to help you make a success mm-hmm. um, as an, an individual. Um, so hopefully that means individuals then kind of take more control. They start to kind of embrace that change and, and move to that that new mindset, behave more like a community, right. And that's essentially, that's what we're trying to affect that, that then puts us in the better position to, to be able to leverage things like, you know, take advantage of the acceleration that we, we get out of cloud. Right. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that for sure. Um, and so from a leadership standpoint, uh, how is BP changing, uh, to respond to the need for skills and, and talent, uh, that, that didn't uh, exist before and, uh, if I can ask, uh, has AWS training and certification helped you in the journey? Okay, cool. Good, good tag on that. <laughs> I guess so. BP has been a really interesting journey. We spent a period of time. Obviously, BP is a big company. Um, a period of time being 
what I would say and what a lot of people say, facilitators of IT rather than real doers of IT. So it's all been about, um, there was a time when it was all about those kind of contracts with vendors and third parties doing all the work. But we've realized that we need we needed to change that. So we've moved from that kind of approach to actually taking seriously, building a, a, a capability within BP. Um, so there are parts of BP that we're doing that anyway, within trading, which is where I worked for quite a long time. We were kind of doing that sort of thing anyway, development, um, running our own platforms, um, albeit in data centers. But, you know, a few years back, there was some change where we we became uh, a more centralized ITNS function. And we start, we kicked off this modernize, modernization of our IT, so of all of our IT across BP. Um, and that's where we basically set about an aggressive program of hiring of, of new talent. And we've made some headway there, not as much as we'd we'd uh, like. Um, but uh, as I think many people realize, actually strong talent in software, software development and platform engineering is quite scarce. So, you know, you're not going to get hundreds of people um, into the organization, even, you know, even over a period of a year. So that hiring um, was a feature. Um, so we also, from a leadership perspective, decided that we needed to focus more on, um, well, a lot on early careers talent too. And kind of our graduate program in ITNS had, had dwindled a bit. So we rebooted that. Um, and now we've got a really strong set of graduates going through the mill. Um, we've also got uh, an internship that goes along with that. And actually, um, I know, so, so learning, learning and set, the learning and certification team are doing a great job, actually. Amit Chavda is um, helping us to put, it, to put together an internship program in response to the COVID-19 situation that's kind of all fully virtual. So we've now got essentially a six-week project that's sort of like a hackathon. Um, but not not really because we've, we've we've only got seven or eight interns, so the competition isn't really there, <laughs> which you normally like in, in, in a full scale hackathon. Um, and yeah, so we're getting a lot of support from the AWS team on that, which is great. We've also got a new, which I'm really excited about, actually, a new software development apprenticeship starting in the UK, um, and we just our graduates have been great in helping us to interview that talent and that, and get that talent on board. And we're, you know, we're about to send out a load of offers to candidates for that. So the Ninja Academy, what was awesome about it is, is, is the AWS, um, cloud fluency team. I'm going to call it cause yeah, I'm calling it that from now on. <laughs> I like that. So they really bought into, to, um, Amit and his team just kind of really supported it, helped us with the vision and actually helped us launch it and we launched it with a, a cloud ninja day at a couple mm -hmm. of different sites where we got the aws cloud ninja in and we it was a celebration of certification and achievement within cloud um so we got i think 80 odd people turning up and there's some great pictures of you know there's a there's swag that we were handing out um, T-shirts specifically that we designed for our cloud ninjas. And there's a great picture of a whole load of 
cloud ninjas huddled together. <laughs> and that was that was basically the launch of our Ninja Academy. And that's the kind of support that uh, I think is absolutely awesome. So it's not, you know, it's not just the basics of cloud fluency and, you know, what are the what are the different learning offers that you have in in your learning catalog? It's going that extra mile and kind of buying into our vision and helping us to take it forwards. Mm -hmm. That's what's been the most awesome thing about uh, working with the Cloud Fluency team. Great, great. I'm glad to hear that. I forgot to mention we've got a great platform going now that's hugely popular, a Cloud Guru, and mm -hmm. we were all kind of using it independently, um, but we. I mean, AWS gave us some investment opportunity. Well, they gave us an opportunity of a free free year of a number of seats for the enterprise version or the business version of the platform, which has got a whole load of extra awesome features. And um, we've just renewed on that for a couple of years because it's it's a really strong part of the mix in the Ninja Academy, actually. Yeah, it sounds like you 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 you've taken kind of your existing staff and uh, you're upskilling them with with AWS training. Or cloud fluency, um, yeah. which is an approach I, I'm I'm a big fan of, by the way. Um, but why not just hire new people? Why is it so important to take your existing staff and uh, develop them with training and certification? Yeah, uh, existing staff are extremely important to us. They hold our values for a start. They bring domain knowledge, experience, you know, wis wisdom to the table. And you can't really get new staff in without existing staff to take to take them under their under their wing, right? And and right. show them the ropes and get them settled in and and things like that. And I think it's important to develop um, existing talent so that they don't stagnate so that we don't lose them unnecessarily. Um, we want existing talent to have a great experience. I think the power of alumni is a strong thing. So when, when someone does leave the organization, I want them to be advocates of BP. I want them to be, you know, have gone away from BP with a really positive experience. Um, and for me, staff retention is about, is as much about people coming back to BP. Mm. as not letting them not 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 letting them leave in the first place i think that's great you know um i took a very similar approach uh what, what i tell people when when this subject comes up is you know it's it's a it's a lot easier to take uh your existing team who uh you know has skill and experience and um kind of knows how your process how your you know the processes in your company and how everything runs uh, it's a lot easier to teach them cloud skills than to bring in people who have cloud skills and then teach them all of those things about your organization, right? So, absolutely. But the other thing I think you touched upon, which is really important, is you know, there's a mor morale component to it as well. Your team's going to see kind of what you're doing, and if you're looks like you're bringing in people to kind of replace them or offset them, uh, that's likely to be looked at negatively. Whereas if they see that you're investing in them instead, uh, they're more likely to support you and and be enthusiastic about. Uh, your transformation project. Yeah. Do you agree with that? Also, the value that our existing staff get out of bringing in junior talent and mentoring them, it's huge. It's And it's the way I see it, you know, any mentoring arrangement like that is there's a reverse effect as well. So, uh, the, you know, it's it both people get a lot out of it. Personally, I have um, a couple of graduates as in in that kind of relationship where we mentor each other i i, I would say yeah. and i've learned a lot from that you know about the younger generation 
and I've been able to you know help them and guide them in certain ways as well and I found that massively rewarding so the rest of the gang I'm sure feel exactly the same way so within our existing talent pool right excellent um so you know we we talk a lot about leadership on this podcast it's it's uh, primarily kind of a, a leadership uh, audience um so I'm curious kind of what your experience is and and what's been successful for you uh in leading your organization through the training and learning process so for me the most successful thing has been that focus on on community and getting people to work together i mean we st- i started out a couple of years ago on a journey of establishing something called a cloud center for enablement hmm. um doesn't really roll off the tongue but <laughs> <laughs> So that's where our kind of learning journey in cloud really kind of was reborn, I think, because it was about up until that point, we were kind of using cloud for, as a data center. Hmm. I mean, it served our purposes for for our data center exit, but for not much else. Right. We then moved to a, a point where I mean, we talked about people, you know, being able to use cloud for, uh, you know, cloud native, you know, greenfield use cases, think, things like that. Um, and you know, how do you support that and how do you kind of encourage that and tell that story? And that's where our cloud center for enablement came along. Basically I was tasked with designing the vision for that and kind of putting it together and growing it, um, and growing a community around it. What we wanted to end up with was a kind of great, a great learning experience. Um, and we wouldn't be able to grow without the support of the community. Hmm. Um, so, so at a point in time, we decided, okay, cloud center for enablement does still is not it's not rolling off the tongue. Still, we need to call we need to CCE. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doesn't yeah. So all of this stuff, and we were doing most of the stuff we were doing was on, was about learning and, and and community. There was some kind of acceleration that we we were doing with um, delivery acceleration, I call it, that we were doing as well. But most of what we were doing um, was around building this learning community, and that's where the the the, the idea for Ninja Academy came mm. in. Let's just call it something cool, right? So we did, um, and from a leadership perspective, taking things forward um, as a Ninja Academy and growing that community has been a lot easier. Just it's just in a name, right? Mm-hmm. It's right. and it can, it can be a bit like that. Um, but you've then got to put a lot of energy behind it. You know, once you've got the thing, you've got to put the energy behind it to drive it forward. Um, so hence, you know, a number of events to kick it off the Ninja day, not only in the UK, but we had one in Germany, um, and various, various other events and just lots of encouragement, um, and reward for, for members of the community who kind of stood out and help things along. Right. No, definitely um, mirrors my experience. Uh, a name name can make all the difference. You know, like yeah. in my case, you know, I, I renamed uh, the infrastructure team uh, to cloud services, and that was before they had done anything in cloud. But, you know, to, to for us to identify as cloud and as services, that there was no, it wasn't an accident to, to call it that, right? Yeah. So then, you know, you start identifying with that and it kind of makes more sense what you're doing and you're moving forward with cloud and becoming like a, a true services organization. So uh, I'm definitely a big fan of that approach. That's brilliant. And it, I like the saying, if you say it often enough, it will happen. 
Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you say cloud services often enough, that's what you end up doing, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it's you have you have to do it yeah. also, right? But it just yeah, makes the great. doing it part kind of uh, consistent with the, the name, yeah. Um, which just uh, makes things kind of work a little better, I think. It's like kind of act as if, but you actually have to do it also. So uh, did you uh, put, have a certification uh, strategy? And if so, like what role did that take in your organization? So I think uh, lots of people in the organization saw the value of, um, or see the value of certification. And at a kind of, at a high, at high level, it's or at a macro level, at least, it's a good way of kind of measuring progress within the organization. Right. I think I touched on this earlier, but at one end of the spectrum, you've got essentially cloud fluency. We want everyone to be speaking the same language. Um, so certification gives us a view that you know, if, if all we've if we've got everyone to cloud practitioner level or a whole bunch of key people to cloud practitioner level, then they're speaking the same language, and, and that's a great start. You know. It's not just that. So certification is a great way of people validating their achievements, right? And their, and their mm -hmm. knowledge and their capability. And we've got a number of people that uh, are very keen on it and have got a number of different certifications now. I did the cloud practitioner um, last week, actually. Congratulations. I'm certified. And I think a, a lot of our leaders, and I, I believe that actually you have to follow, you, you have to set an example. So I think it's... Um, a bit naughty of me not to have been certified before uh, before uh, last week, but uh, I am now, so I can go ahead and I can I can preach about about it all I like. I, I still believe though there's no there's no substitute for experience, right? But um, yep. you've also got to give people the opportunities to you know when they're learning to practice new things that they've learned, and that's part of, that's part of the main focus now in BP is. We're creating all these great opportunities, but do people have time to actually take them up, right? And and right. and is it the right kind of opportunity for them? We have a profession-based organization that deals with talent um, as distinct from our delivery side of the organization. And within the profession, we've said, well, you should be spending roughly 10% of your time um, learning and taking up opportunities to apply that learning. Mm -hmm. I think it should be 20%, to be honest. And I've said that a number of times. I th I'll get my way eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that so it's not just about the, yeah, giving people opportunity to learn and, and, and to have that sense of achievement by becoming certified, but it's also in the application. And I think we're taking some good steps there. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's a, there's, there seems to be this ratio of, uh, training and experience that, you know, is, is the most effective, right? And some people might kind of over index on the training, right? And not give their people, uh, enough of a chance to get hands on and actually apply it. And so those, the things they learn might just not stick. Right. And then you have the other end of the spectrum where you have folks who, uh, don't provide training. So it's all trial and error. And that's just kind of a, uh, quite an inefficient way to, to get people skilled, but there seems to be this kind of combination of both if you get that percentage right yeah um, and the timing of it is also important as well like uh, what i've personally found is uh putting that training into practice as soon as possible um, if you get training and the hands-on work at the same time i think that's the most ideal uh do you do anything like that um, with the timing and uh ensuring that they they get to use what they learn quickly 
So um, I think that's really hard to do. You can get lucky and things just line <laughs> up. Um, but what we have tried to do is experiment with some new ways of working that that allow for that um, a bit more easily. So I'll elaborate on that. So we have something that we've called um, a success hack. It's kind of like a, a workshop. Um, some people call it a hothouse session. It's basically an approach you take to kind of expediting delivery, right? So you're planning, you're doing two, two to three, maybe four weeks of planning to build up to a point where you've got a spike of activity and you get everyone you need in the room, um, you know, some perhaps some experts in cloud, some experts in a particular programming language. Um, you've got digital security and architecture and you've got everyone in the room and you essentially upskill people at the same time. So mm. the product team gets upskilled. So they get their product looked at and they get past a few blockers and they get upskilled at the same time. We've done that a number of times now. Um, and it's a really successful way of doing it. But you can't, it doesn't scale massively well. You can't do a lot of those. You know, you, you've got to focus on perhaps um, products that you can tell a, a bit more of a story behind to generate right. some more learning out of it. So that's one way to do it. Um, another way to do it, which is kind of gets around the needing to have real business use cases to work on is the trainer-trainer model. So where right. you're training someone to then, yeah, obviously move on and they, they apply their learning by training another set of people. Uh -huh. And so we've done that. <laughs> we've done that with um, something we call our AI Zero to Hero program. Um, which that and that started out initially as a set of immersion days that the AWS solution architecture team helped us with, and we then turned that into something with a BP flavor. And it was going to be just you know it's going to be a, a set of immersion days as well. But with COVID nineteen, we've had to kind of turn that on its well. We've had to completely change that and rebuild it from the ground up as some. Uh, blended learning. So, and, and what I mean by that is a mixture of kind of recorded digital on-demand learning and recap sessions, yeah. um, regular recap sessions. So people basically have the educational content they can consume on demand, in including guided labs. I will say so. There'll be there'll be lab sessions, and there'll be someone talking through a recording of right. someone talking through the lab sessions and pulling out key points. And then, you know, we will have like a weekly recap session and you constrain it to maybe say 10 weeks and everyone's got to have completed the, the, the material within that time. That's been our kind of reaction to, you know, what do we do about learning in, in, in this kind of environment? And mm -hmm. AWS has been hugely supportive of that. Um, the Cloud Fluency team, have helped out with a lot of material that we could we could then evolve for our purposes. So so that's one kind of what I call a, di uh, a guided study group. Mm -hmm. um, we're also starting to run them for certification as well. So, uh, for instance, I ran one for um, the cloud practitioner certification. So we've got a dozen or so people in a group um, met once a week. We use the a Cloud Guru kind of four week um, accelerator program, and I kind of guided I guided um, some other students through the process, 
Um, and now we're about to kick off a, a solutions architecture associate nice. course as well. Yeah, sounds like a great approach. You know, um, keep kind of everyone in lockstep, even though they may not be uh, in the same physical office, but, you know, having those kind of deadlines and check-ins. Uh, yeah. It sounds like a sounds like something that uh, would be very effective. You know, I just noticed uh, your uh, your LinkedIn URL is uh, BP Ninja. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you got to get into the spirit of things, haven't you? I'm getting it go, now. Go, 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 all, go all all in on it, otherwise. Uh... <laughs> so, um, um, besides the the the, the Ninja thing and uh, the labels that, that you've used. I, I noticed you're a fan of calling things, you know, the zero to hero and, and these things, uh, using these techniques. Um, yeah. What else uh, have you done that uh, to motivate employees to get involved in skills enablement? There's a few things, right? So we've got our annual performance review um, and we use that to set objectives. Uh, now that the organization is split into a talent-focused part of the organization and, and a delivery focus part uh, we have from from the talent standpoint we ask people to set particular objectives around their learning and their contribution to the profession that's how we kind of motivate people um, on the skills and enablement side of things on annual performance review um, again we I'd said I mentioned we've got that ninja time that people can use so, you know, how are you spending your ninja time is, is the question. <laughs> I like to ask people. Um, and aside from that, we've got a peer-to-peer -peer recognition system that I like to encourage people to use regularly. Um, it's called Energize Points. So basically, you the idea is that you recognize people for one of our values in BP. So... Um, you know, we have values like one team, which is obviously about teamwork, courage, excellence, safety. Um, and basically, as a, as a member of staff in BP, you can give anyone else some energized points if you think they've achieved yeah. something worthwhile. So I'm encouraging people to do that when they as a way of um, rewarding people for getting involved in skills enablement. Um, and it's also a great way of community building as well, because uh, you know people you th thank each other for giving each other points and things. And right. there's a big focus also on celebrating success. I think a big thing in motivating people is just to make it fun. And this is where I'm going to say ninja again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the ninja day, for example, is a pro well, that was a prime example of it. I mean, you know, celebrate people's success on a day where they can come and pick up some swag, um, enter a prize draw, and then have photographs taken and meet other ninjas and meet other people maybe who don't even know anything about cloud but want to find out. Um, so that was great. Um, there's, you know, get get involved in get involved in all, all sorts of different other opportunities. Like we have a geek hour we like people to speak at. Um, and volunteer to speak at uh, hackathons. And then something we're, we're working on for the future is kind of gamification of that yeah. learning experience as well. And that's, again, taking the ninja theme a bit further um, and, you know, building ninja-flavored leaderboards, perhaps even digital badges, rank a ranking system maybe with belts, that sort of thing. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. 
but that's that's something that I'm going to challenge our software and platform engineering community to do for themselves over the the, the coming weeks. So we'll see. I'll let you know how that one goes. Okay, great. Um, so if you if you look back on kind of your journey, um, is there anything you would have done differently, and uh, any mistakes that you made, or anything that you advise others to kind of uh, avoid? You know, in other words, how 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 can our listeners learn from your experience, and what advice would you give them? What so one of the things is you can never ask for help too much. I don't think. I think I, I've got told off for not not asking for enough help, and a number of times. And I think it's easy to just kind of crack on with stuff, and you know, not ask for help often enough. And you know, that might be from I need, you know, I need more people to drive this forward, or all, all different kinds of things. So, so it's important. I'd say it's important, and I would have asked you know, if I was doing this again. I'd more ask for more help more regularly. Mm. Um, and I think going hand in hand with that is kind of reassess your position frequently. So the kind of place that I was working in from the beginning, you know, when I talked about it earlier, launching the Cloud Center for Enablement, um, the journey from there to here was a bit of a wilderness and things, you know, things change regularly. Um, well, all the time, actually, that's part of one of the learnings is you're in a world of constant change so right. you do have to put a stake in that in in, in the sand quite regularly and, and kind of reassess what you're doing what you need help with you know what's changed is there anything you need to replan you know and also uh, there should be a, you know a focus on measurement is there now something that i can measure that i couldn't measure before because one of the, I think one of the key things that you can lose sight of is how can you measure, you know, measurement of your progress, right? So at the, in the beginning of my journey, there weren't many things that I could um, measure, you know, to put it bluntly. Mm -hmm. So um, there was pretty much nothing because it was a bit of a wilderness. But along the way, I think having a discipline of what can I measure now? So certif certification is an obvious one, right. um, absolutely. But in terms of measuring community you know how how is my community growing you know that's mm. that can be a bit more difficult right um and yes you can you can do it as how many hits did my community community pages get how much contribution has been made um but it's quite difficult to measure actually um so it's good i think to 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 stop regularly and, and think about how things have changed and what you can now measure that you couldn't before another thing i would say is sort of sense check regularly independently and, and what i mean by that is if you you want someone outside of what you're doing um who's not one of your stakeholders or any way related and probably more than one people actually and you probably want to check in with them regularly um, and right. again more regularly than you think because <laughs> <laughs> then at least you, you're in a position where you're having to describe what's going on to someone who's not in it right. and that can in itself can be really useful and also that helps with getting a fresh perspective on things it also helps with your mental health as well <laughs> stops you going crazy <laughs> Re regularly check in with you know one of my old bosses calls calls them your personal board of directors so a set of people mm. that you have that you that you go to 
um, from time to time. Yeah, great. Yeah, I, 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 would, I totally agree with that. I think also it's it's also good to have people who maybe don't agree with uh, everything you're doing and talk to them as well, which I think is something that's difficult for yeah. people, right? Because you want people who support you and, you know, say you're doing well and you're on track and give you a pep talk. But I think that's good. It's also good to have people who maybe will give you kind of the uh, the truths that you're not seeing, right? And then you could choose to agree or disagree with them, but at least they come to the surface, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So, Ollie, hey, this was, uh, this was a great conversation. Uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, I think our listeners will get a lot out of it. So thank you so much. Awesome. I enjoyed it too.